cheating in school, it's always existed, but contract cheating is on the rise. So this is essentially paying someone to write an exam for you. Now, why is this happening? Why is it on the rise are, are a couple of questions that I have. It immediately makes me wonder about the people that are graduating from programs, seemingly with amazing marks, and then entering into the workforce, and, and do they have the necessary skills or knowledge to be in those careers if they're not actually being tested or taking the exams themselves? So let's get into it right now. Let's answer all of those questions with Dr. Sarah Elaine Eaton. She works in the Faculty of Education at the University of Calgary, and she's a leading voice on the study of academic integrity. Dr. Eaton, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chelsea. I mean, it's not it's not a new phenomenon to have cheating in school, but what we're talking about specifically with contract cheating is people, students, paying someone to take an exam for them, right? I just want to clarify exactly what it is that we're talking about when we're saying contract cheating. Yeah, that's one of the things, paying someone to take an exam for you or having someone write an essay for you or write even a PhD thesis for you. It's basically outsourcing your academic work. So what evidence is there, Dr. Eaton, that this is on the rise or that we're seeing an increase in this? Well, certainly during COVID-19, all kinds of post-secondary institutions noticed an increase in academic misconduct for a variety of reasons. But one of them is that these these companies, and they are big companies, like multinational companies that operate on the web in various countries at the same time. Like we're not talking, you know, necessarily about indie suppliers. There's a few freelancers out there, but they have really sophisticated marketing techniques for students and they have this like reassuring advertising they tell them it's not cheating actually it is um, and they're like we can help you and they really kind of pitch it to students that they're there to provide relief from stress and that they can basically get over procrastination and time management issues to to what end just to make money off of students just to profit yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole reason that these companies exist. I mean, term paper mills have been around for decades, right? I mean, they used to be bricks-and-mortar shop where you could go in, order from a catalog that was on the, on the desk when you went in, but those days are gone now. It's all done online. It's really easy. Basically, you upload an assignment or a work order, like the date and place of your exam. Uh, you prepay for this, so let's, let's be clear about that, and then they have someone complete the work for you. Very sophisticated online um, intake forms, workflow portals, and these companies are making billions, that's like B, with like Bravo billions of dollars every year. To, to, off of what? To we, when we break this down in terms of what a student is paying, how much yeah. would, would it cost to, to have somebody write an essay for you or to write an exam for you? What are the numbers that we're throwing around here? Yeah, it, well, it depends a little bit. It depends on the level of the essay. So first-year undergraduate uh, essay on a general topic, you know, um, is going to cost you less than a specialized PhD thesis, um, you know, and it can be anywhere from, you know, a couple of hundred dollars uh, up to thousands for a full-length thesis. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, does this, does this point to a... a a growing trend of, of a lack of integrity amongst students? I mean, yes, maybe the marketing is clever, but ultimately, if you're in a post-secondary program and you're having somebody write a, an assignment for you or take a test for you, you know that that's wrong. You know that's cheating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no question, right? Like in the academic integrity world, you know, sometimes we say, okay, plagiarism can be unintentional if somebody hasn't learned how to cite and reference. I kind of call this the drunk driving of academic misconduct because people know it's wrong and they do it anyway. Um, so, you know, we're talking like 
We have different, um, you know, rates of prevalence, if you will. Uh, it's certainly increased during COVID. You know, we, we're looking at somewhere between five and and fifteen percent of students that might engage in this because the majority of students do know it wrong. But the ones who do it, uh, they can receive pretty severe, pretty severe penalties. What, do you think that this is something that's going to to diminish with a, a, a light shined upon it? Where do you think this is going to go? It's interesting you should ask that question because I was just talking about it today with, with some colleagues and it kind of takes the conversation in a bit of a different uh, direction. But, you know, there's there's a lot of writing apps out there now that are, are mm-hmm. kind of fueled by artificial intelligence. Yes, this and is those, my next question for you. Yeah. Those are mainly free, right? And there's talk out there that, you know, the artificial intelligence app might put the contract cheating ghostwriters out of business because students can get the work done for free. And does that then still fall into this category? category of of cheating or a a loss of academic integrity where do you stand on on ai providing help for students it's um it's like you know if if super superheroes can use their powers for good or evil students can use this tech for good or evil they can use it to help them learn or they can use it to help them cheat and the same technology can be used in different ways so some students might use it as like a writing assist if they're not confident with the writing or they're what we call reluctant writers and others might just try and offload their homework onto these writing apps so it kind of depends how it's used does it does it sort of signify maybe a little bit of burnout amongst students maybe they're taking on too much i mean if you're trying to offload some of your work is it just because you feel you're in a position that you can't handle the load yeah, I think that's a great point, right? And in the academic misconduct research, we see that student stress is one of the motivators or triggers for misconduct if students are like overwhelmed. And I mean, the lives of today's students are so much more complex than they were. Like I'm a Gen Xer, way different, right? I might have had a job through university, but now some of these students have, you know, they've got a job or two, they have family caregiving responsibilities, like their their lives are way different than what we think of for being like a traditional university student. I just wonder, you know, as I mentioned on the, on the opening, Dr. Eaton, what does this mean when it comes to students entering the workforce? I mean, are they equipped in their careers if they're not being tested on certain uh, certain areas of knowledge? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a great it's a great question. Um, and we we talk about academic integrity as like not just following rules or avoiding cheating or avoiding plagiarism, but what we're really talking about here is building a skill set, and that's ethical decision making for the workplace and and for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what that's what we see this as, right? So when we're talking to students, we're like, okay. Tells me about academic integrity, like, oh, okay, it's about like not cheating. Or like, okay, it's also about learning to make good decisions so that when you are, you know, are at work or somewhere else, that you have like the critical thinking skills to make a good decision. So that's kind of how we like to frame it. I wonder if the value then gets placed on different areas of education. We've talked for so long about how, you know, some kids are, or, or I guess adults, depending on what, what area of, of school you're talking about, aren't great at taking tests. And that's not always mm. the best shining example of really displaying your knowledge of a subject Mm -hmm. maybe we reframe the way that education is valued and maybe it's attendance in class or um you know willingness to participate in group projects in person what do you think that might look like yeah, I think there's lots of great ways to assess students so that they can show what they're learning, right? The majority of students out there, they're trying to do the right thing. Most of our students are not like what we call serial cheaters. They want to they wanna learn. They want to show us what they're good at. They want to be excited about it. They want us to be excited about what they're learning. And there's lots of ways to do that before, like, you know, instead of exams. Like, exams have been around since, if you can believe this, 
the sixth century. And one question I often ask people is, well, if they did it in the sixth century, surely we can do better than that today. Yeah. And yet we keep giving exams. Wow. Okay. That's that's uh, something that just blew my mind, Dr. Eaton. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your perspective on this conversation. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much.